Bravo lovers, and welcome to a brand new episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I feel like it's been so long, even though it's only been, what, two weeks? Um, if you're wondering where I've been, I was in Vegas the week before last for uh, a short trip, a couple of days, maybe two, two and a half days. Um, I had a friend's bachelor party. It was a fantastic time. Um, I'm so grateful to have been invited on this bachelor party. I met a lot of great people. It was my first time in Vegas and I had no idea what to expect, but I was certainly overwhelmed with how loud and I don't mean like sound loud, but just like visually loud Vegas is. Um, I stayed in the Venetian hotel, uh, you know, bad and bougie. And uh, like, I had no idea that these hotels in Vegas are basically malls. Like I got in so many steps, just walking around these hotels, going from place to place, bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant, going up and down to my room. Um, so I definitely burn a lot of calories on those days. Um, and then I returned to Atlanta recovering from my cold. And I was just like, you know what? I can't do an episode this week, but I am very happy to be back with you. I'm happy to have you. I hope that you did not leave me because you have not heard from me in a while. Okay. Uh, today's episode, I normally do two episodes a week, but I'm doing one episode um, where I am putting my recap of The Real Housewives of New York, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, The Real Housewives of Orange County, and Southern Charm. Last week's episode of Southern Charm, because Southern Charm air airs, I think, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Bravo, and it's kind of hard to watch a new episode at 8 take notes, and then add it to an episode to recap. So I'm going to be discussing last week's episode of Southern Charm, episode two. Um, I would get into Bravo news, but I feel like this episode is already going to be long, and I don't want to waste your time, and you guys get like, you know, this is too much for me. Uh, so I'm just going to keep it to the Bravo shows, and we will do Bravo news another time. So let's get started. Housewives of New York City. This is season 14, episode 11, titled The Case of the Missing Phone. So it's the final day in Anguilla for the ladies, and I'm happy about it because this trip has been chaotic as F. Um, not fun enough, and I know we love the drama on cash trips, but this drama hits differently. It's childish, okay? It is childish with a capital C. So this episode continues with this converse, uh, confrontation between Uba and Aaron. Uh, this whole phone drama has gone too far. It was nice of Aaron to get Uba's phone from the car after dinner. Aaron thought it would be funny to prank Uba, but she fucked around and found out. And I can understand where Uba is coming from with her frustration about her missing phone. She is a single woman in a foreign country, and her phone is her lifeline. I also feel like Uba could have handled the situation better with Aaron by explaining how hiding her phone is not a joking matter to her, and she would appreciate it if Aaron didn't make a joke like that again. Then 
Uba gets in Aaron's personal space and takes the sunglasses right off of Aaron's face. And I believe that that was a violation of personal space to me and completely unnecessary to me. I do have to admit, back in high school, one of my friends took my Blackberry, the phone, not the fruit, and I did chase him around his kitchen with a knife until he gave it back. Now, I have to admit, that was too far. That was an overreaction, but he never took my phone again. I promise you that. And then Uba decides, uh, since Erin had her phone for 45 minutes, but it seemed like it was longer, like a couple of hours uh, from the editing that we saw. Uh, Uba decided that she's going to take Aaron's sunglasses, the ones that she took off her face, for 45 minutes. And she asked Siri to set a timer. <laughs> it's so petty. It's so petty. It's, it's annoying. And I love it. But it's petty. Um, but I have to say that this is what you call an eye for an eye, which originated from ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, it was Hammurabi's code. And what's crazy is I can't believe that I remember this from high school world history. But, you know, I love to include a little fun fact in these episodes. So then on this ride in the car uh, to wherever, uh, wherever, where did that accent come from? Wherever um to wherever they were going i think it was like a beach bar uber did remind bren of all the things aaron had said about bren accused her of said behind her back and questioned bren's fertility journey and this my friends is planting a seed in bren's head which helps lead to conflict later on in this episode i just want to point that out you know what i'm talking about if you've seen this episode um, you know, there. I, I like to mention things like that when a housewife or a cast member of a show starts planting seeds that ends up leading to drama later on. And that is what Uba did. So we move on to this next scene and they actually go to Elvis's beach bar. Excuse me. And the ladies arrive at the bar and they uh, order some drinks and Sai got behind the bar which I loved. I enjoyed this moment. I want to see more of this side of Psy. I want to see the fun Psy. Um, I hope next season we get to see more of this Psy uh, because I feel like this season we mostly got to see her complain about being hungry and, you know, the food. And it got a little old after, what, four or five episodes? Um, then Uba's sunglasses alarm goes off and Aaron gets her sunglasses back and then the ladies get into it. Uh, Uba uh, says that Aaron abuses Bryn, which I believe is poor word choice, uh, abuses something serious to allege and what ha what's happening on the show is not abuse. It's petty housewife shit. It's not abuse. Um, but Uba lets it slip that Aaron called Bryn a social climber, which is news to Bryn. Uh, but Bryn doesn't need to climb the ladder socially because she can take an elevator right to the top. So she says, and I believe her. But I'm, mo I'm moist. What? I must point out that I'm quite impressed by uh, Uba. <laughs> Uba finds herself in the middle of drama with Aaron and still finds the time to stir the pot and create conflict between Bryn and Aaron. And then Uba throws shade 
at Aaron's Canal Street sunglasses, allegedly. And I have to say, listen, Uber, there's nothing wrong with Canal Street sunglasses. If you have to fake it till you make it, listen, so be it. I am in my fake it till I make it era. I don't try to pretend to be rich, but I, you know, I like nice things. I like to dress nicely. I just know where to shop where I'm not paying a lot of money for the things I have. You know, if you know how to do it, you know how to do it. But I have to admit that I have bought sunglasses from Canal Street because sometimes when you're on the go and the sun is shining brightly in New York City and reflecting off of all these tall buildings, you need a pair of sunglasses. And if you want like some, you know, fake designer sunglasses, Canal Street is the place to go. Even if you don't want fake designer sunglasses, Canal Street is one of the places to go. If you've been, then you know. And I have to say, ironically, we do know that um, Aaron does live in Tribeca and Canal Street is nothing but a 15, 20 minute walk from Tribeca, if I'm not mistaken. I have made that walk from Tribeca to Canal Street. I have made that walk from the financial district in New York City to Canal Street. So like geographically, it could make sense if Aaron decided to stop by Canal Street to get a pair of cheap sunglasses. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But then the ladies head to Roy's for some food. And of course, Sai is hungry. What else is new? And I believe that Sai needs to start carrying a lunchbox because this is getting out of order. It's getting out of hand. Give her a lunchbox, bravo. Okay. Production, pack some snacks for Sai in a lunchbox so she can stop being so hangry. Then the ladies sit at the table and Uba is still going in. You know, she's honestly relentless at this point. So Aaron decides to go back to the house. And honestly, if I were Aaron, I would have probably done the same thing. I would have gone back to the house, made myself a cocktail, found a portable speaker and enjoyed my quiet time by the pool with Sade playing in the background. Okay. Or Wizkid, his Made in Lagos album. I really enjoyed that album. That album is a vibe. So either Sade or Wizkid sitting by the pool, overlooking the water with a cocktail, maybe some snacks, just me, myself, and I, and away from the bullshit happening at Roy's restaurant. So then we get back to the table and Bryn says that she wouldn't come at someone like that. And then Uber starts talking about the common stereotype against black women being angry and violent. And I agree I agree with Uba's sentiment because, you know, in my opinion, The Real Housewives of New Jersey is the most violent housewife franchise on Bravo, yet they are not scrutinized to the same degree as the ladies of Atlanta and the ladies of Potomac. Check the receipts, watch The Real Housewives of New York, I mean, The Real Housewives of New Jersey from season one up until now. The Real Housewives of New Jersey is the most violent franchise on Bravo. I said what I said. Sorry, New Jersey lovers, don't come for me. I'm just being honest, and you know it's the truth deep down. That's probably why you love that shit. Um, so then I have to say what I'm confused by is what led Uba down this path of talking about the stereotypes pinned on Black women. Because to me, Aaron's statement, not Aaron, Bryn's statement, wouldn't have activated that conversation in me. So I'm wondering if there's a piece of this conversation that we are missing. 
did one of the ladies say something? Did Sai say something? Like, that's what I'm wondering. But then we jump back to the house and Aaron calls her father for some words of wisdom and Aaron recounts in her confessional the time that she was younger and she was bullied as a kid and they called her Long Jaw Silver. And I know this was like a moment of vulnerability for Aaron, but I have to say that it did make me laugh. And I am someone that was bullied in school and like being bullied is not fun, but like long jaw silver. Okay. Long jaw silver. <laughs> like, like kids are so damn cruel. Like who thinks of something like that? Long jaw silver. That's all I'm going to think about when I see Aaron now is long jaw silver. And I'm sorry, Aaron, that you had to deal with that. I don't know if, like, I would connect what's going on with Uba to being called Long Jaw Silver as a kid, but I'm going to let you have that because you are, uh, I want you to know that I find your feelings valid. That's all I have to say. But then the ladies leave the restaurant and headed back to the villa and Jessel starts going off in the back seat. And we learn that Jessel is taking notes and checking names, okay? Jessel has been documenting the things Aaron has been saying. And I have to say, this is quite clever because I think of the times I've had to check, check a couple of people in the past. And after the conversation was said and done, I realized that I forgot to mention some things. So I believe that taking notes could be a useful tool for a housewife because there's a lot that happens on these shows. And, you know, if you want to come with the facts, if you want to come with the receipts, you know, you want to be on point. So we get back to the villa and the ladies, uh, like I said, they get back to the villa, and while Uba is apologizing for her behavior to the staff, uh, Aaron summons Uba outside for a chat, one of the many chats that they try to have to squash this beef. Um, the conversation starts off well, and then it takes a sharp left turn, and then we find out that Uba can't find her phone again, uh, but Bren does find it in the car that they came back from Roy's restaurant and the beach bar, and <laughs> Uba can't find her phone. Listen, Uba is not helping her case with losing her phone twice on this trip and another housewife having to recover it and give it back to her. Um, then the ladies congregate in the hot tub and the ladies start piling on Aaron. Uh, Brennan and Aaron have a moment and Aaron is like, are you starting with me? And Bren has this moment where she turns into Brenetta and she's she takes off her sunglasses and she's like, do you want to start with me? Uh, because I don't think you do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, Bren. She's the one to watch out for. Okay, because she, she's going to turn into Brenetta with the quickness. So I'm like, in this moment, who's that girl? La, 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 Bren's that girl. La, 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 Listen, this is not an episode of Bravo T with Jared B if I'm not breaking into song at some point during these episodes. So excuse me. I know you missed it, okay? I'm musically inclined, even though it might not sound like it, but I need you to believe me. Trust me, please. Um, so 
Aaron and Uba start going at it again, and Aaron accuses Uba of abusing her. And I'm like, what is with the use of this word abuse? This is not abuse. We're using the wrong words, people. This is not abuse. This is a petty argument. You were real housewives, okay? Abuse is abuse. Petty arguments are petty arguments. Then Uba and Aaron walk away and make, what, a third or fourth attempt at squashing this beef? And at this point, I'm deeply annoyed by this conflict, and I don't even want to see this be discussed any further. So I just want to point out how important the words are that we use against someone, especially people of color. You know, these kind of conversations happen all the time in this country, this country meaning America, and maybe it's happening across the world as well. But, you know, I live in America, so I can only speak on the conversations that happen here. Um, Even though I do feel like Erin is valid in her feelings and being upset, certain words and terms are often used against Black women when they are showing passion or what some people would call anger or aggression. Um, Just to point out some things, Erin said that she's afraid to be friends with Uba. Meanwhile, Erin did say that she was going to drop kick Uba in the pool. Erin did say that she feels threatened by Uba when Uba at the time was simply ignoring Erin. And this is before Uba gets in Erin's face, to be clear. Um, So it doesn't... It kind of makes you question whether Aaron would use these same words against Jenna or Bren or even Jessel, to be honest. And I'm not trying to make this about race. I'm not. Um, I just want to point out a pattern and word choices commonly used against Black women. For me, this is not enough for me to decide about Aaron, but I'm watching, I'm listening, and I'm taking notes, just like Jessel. So finally, Aaron and Uba make amends after this roller coaster of a conflict and emotions surrounding Uba's phone. The ladies get dressed, they exchange fashion pleasantries at dinner, and Sai said she thinks that this girl's trip to Anguilla was a success, and I would have to say that the verdict is still out on that to me. Honestly, I don't know if this trip was a success. Maybe it was a success to them, but me as a viewer, uh there's been better housewives trips, especially on the Real Housewives of New York. I just have to point that out. <laughs> so let's move on to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So we have the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This is season four, episode four, titled Don't Be a Drag. So it's day two in Palm Springs at the Trixie Motel. And the first thing I have to note is that Meredith Marks is eating caviar for breakfast. And listen, I love caviar. I love caviar on a Pringle. Um, I'm a little bougie. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, But I don't like caviar enough to eat it for breakfast unless it's like on a fancy omelet or like eggs Benedict. So honestly, I will take that back. 
I do like caviar enough to have it for breakfast in some form. But back to Meredith. I do feel like Meredith's breakfast consists of caviar, crushed volume, and a Xanax strip to start off her morning, allegedly, uh, because there's often slurring of the words and a random British accent that presents itself. And it makes me take a pause because then I start to ask myself, what is she on? And I know I'm not the only one that has that question because I see you on social media asking the same question. What is Meredith Marks on? And I don't want to like acute, she might have anxiety. She might be taking anxiety medication. And then, you know, if you're drinking on these housewife shows, it causes some reaction and then it turns Meredith into a British woman. Um, so that's just what I wanted to point out. No shade to Meredith. Don't come for me. I'm just joking. This is simply for entertainment purposes. Um, so moving right along, um, I guess Angie K felt left out by not getting a t-shirt on this trip, the trip that she wasn't invited on. So Angie K decided to get a white t-shirt and write words on it with a pink marker. And I have to say that I bet she asked a producer for this because unless Angie K is into arts and crafts, I don't see why she would have a random white t-shirt sitting around with pink fabric marker, with a pink fabric marker to write words on the show, uh, to write words on the shirt to have on this trip. It just doesn't make sense to me. So the ladies gather in their custom-made t-shirts and then of course Angie K decides to make her appearance and her custom-made shirt. And I love how no one really had anything to say <laughs> about Angie K and her thirsty moment. And they just kept it moving because you know that's how I would react as well. So then Angie Kate says something in her confessional uh, that, you know, she can be petty too. And it, it was either make this t-shirt or call out a hit on Meredith's family. And listen, I know that this was probably a joke, but homeboy does not play about jokes when it comes to threats and taking hits out on people's family. Like who says something like that? And like, who is Angie K connected to? Do we need a Mob Wives SLC? Mob Wives, Salt Lake City. Maybe Angie K needs to be on that show and not the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm just saying. But then the ladies arrive at their trust building exercise and Mary Cosby wants absolutely nothing to do with it. She is not ready to take the step of trusting these ladies. Um, I do find it interesting that on these cash trips, they always go to see a shaman for healing. They go to a trust building exercise and it never works. It never works. It works in the moment and the next scene they're at each, each other's throats. Um, so listen, when these scenes come on, I honestly just roll my eyes because it's all fluff to me. To me, this is all for the purpose of the show. It's not real. It's not authentic. And listen, it just is what it is. But after the trust building exercise, the ladies get back to the van and they wish that Mary had participated. And I wish that Mary had participated. Uh, Meredith does say to Mary that she does wish Mary participated. I'm sorry that I said that three times. Uh, but then Lisa Barlow jumps in and Mary just shuts her right down. Mary's like, um, I was not talking to you. 
And then Lisa Barlow speaks up again. And Mary's like, don't you have a mute button? And I have to hand it to Lisa Barlow. She handled this well. And she's like, nope, I'm always on play. Yes, you are, Lisa Barlow. Yes, you are. Well said. Well said. But then Mary explains why she didn't want to participate. But I have to say that I agree with Whitney on this one, even though Mary staged Dragon Whitney and it entertains me thoroughly. So my question is to Mary, why come on a trip if you're not going to participate? Does Mary vibe with anyone on this cast other than Meredith? She did have good vibes with Monica. I would like to see if that, you know, grows into something more, an actual friendship during the course of this season. But right now, Mary seems to only be friends with Meredith, and it doesn't seem like she's willing to build relationships, friendships with the rest of these women. So as a viewer, we might enjoy Mary's sideline commentary, but if I were one of the ladies, I would be asking, why does Mary get to be here and sit things out when we are all expected to participate? Isn't this what we all get paid for? I understand the lady's frustration with that. I also enjoy Mary's sideline commentary. You know, two things can be possible. I believe in a multiplicity of uh, whatever. <laughs> And then the ladies get back to the Trixie Motel and Whitney announces that uh, basically she's hijacking Meredith's trip and they are going to do a drag show that is judged by Trixie. I want to get into the trip portion of this or the trip that, like, honestly, this is not Meredith's trip. From what I have heard before that basically these housewives pitch trips to production and then basically production decides where they're going and saying like this is going to be your hosted trip meredith marks did not pay for this trip this is paid by production um listen i also have to say that meredith might not be the best host when it comes to a girl's trip when I think of Meredith, I don't think of fun. I think of bathtubs and quaaludes. Um, but my question to you is, do you think of fun when you think of Meredith? You know, I bet I know your answer. But if I were Whitney, I would have gone to Meredith, the host of this trip, and I would have been like, you know, is there anything on the itinerary for today? Because I have a great idea that involves trip. Trixie, their actual host in her motel. Um, listen, I think that's the respectful thing to do because Meredith's right. We don't know what she had planned for today. And Meredith, um, she just kind of let Whitney take over and did not say anything about it. Um, but then Whitney announced that there's no glam allowed, and I would have never thought after this announcement that Lisa Barlow would have had a full, full-on meltdown. So we find out that Lisa Barlow spends $60,000 a year on glam, which she even uses to go to the grocery store. But I have to be honest, this sounds like a Lisa Barlow problem and not like a problem for the rest of the ladies. Back in the day, these ladies didn't even have glam. They showed up, they did their makeup, got their makeup done at the Sephora counter before filming, or they showed up with no makeup at all. 
And this makes me miss the early days of The Real Housewives when it was its most authentic and less contrived and self-produced. Um, I do have to say that I do question the emotion behind Lisa's reaction to No Glam. I do wonder if it's insecurity. Is it a control issue? Is it that now that she's a real housewife, maybe she feels the need to keep up appearances? But Lisa, if that's the case, no one cares what you look like going to a grocery store. Okay. Uh, Evidently, Lisa Barlow does. But like, no one cares what you look like going to the grocery store. The number of times I've gone to the grocery store at night before they close, looking like a vagabond in a t-shirt, shorts, a hoodie, and my yellow Crocs and ashy ankles. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be honest. Okay. I try not to be ashy. I always keep a little, you know, a bunch of uh, shea butter because, you know, we got to keep this uh, skin moisturized. They say black don't crack, but black does crack. Moisturized black does not crack, just to clarify. So when the ladies presented their drag looks, I have to say that I was deeply disappointed in the lack of participation. Uh, Whitney, Monica, and Heather uh, had fun with it. Angie looked like a hooker, but she tried. She tried. She did look like a hooker, but, you know, she participated. And then Meredith, Mary, and Lisa Barlow dressed as themselves. Now, I will say, in defense of Meredith, Mary, and Lisa Barlow, I do recall seeing RuPaul on a talk show doing an interview a couple of years ago. I believe it was The View. Um, And RuPaul went into how we all dress in drag in some way, shape, and form. Uh, every day. The clothes that we wear, the way that we present ourselves to the world is our drag. So I will say maybe, maybe Meredith, Mary, and Lisa Barlow presented their own version of drag. Um, But I personally believe that there's ego involved there. And I believe that those three take themselves way too seriously to fully participate and have fun and let go and participate in a drag show. Moving on, I believe that Monica won the drag show. She seemed the most into it, and I think her win is deserved. Now, I will say, although I was disappointed in some of the ladies not fully participating in the drag show, best believe I would have spent that time that they were sitting in that room with nothing to say to each other, changing my clothes, taking off that makeup, Uh, Because you're not going to have me in a bar sweating with a 45-pound wig on with makeup spackled on my face. It's just not going to happen. So as the ladies were being awkward around each other, I would have gone back to my room, taken that stuff off my face, changed my clothes, and gone out into the world as I would like to present myself. I just have to make that clear. So then the ladies head out for the night. And you know, if the ladies of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City are in a van, something is going to go down. So in the van, Monica calls out Lisa Barlow for bragging about her lifestyle, the designer clothes, the vacations, the cars of it all. And listen, I don't disagree with Monica. It does come off as conceited, even though we watch these shows for the wealth the opulence, and the things that are unattainable for the most of us. Um, 
but I have to say that I believe in showing and not telling because there's this saying that money talks, but wealth whispers. And I have to say, Lisa Barlow is not whispering. She's talking. So I say, show us the wealth. You don't have to tell us about the wealth and we will be able to see it for ourselves. So then Monica and Lisa start going at it uh, with Monica's wig sliding off. See, I told you. And they haven't even gotten to the bar. And Monica is probably hot as hell, sweating. And that's why that wig is sliding off her head. And then Monica starts going at it with Angie K as well. And I have to say, Monica is coming in hot. She's coming in strong. But I respect the fact that Monica chose not to be a wallflower in her freshman season of the show. Because I believe that if you're going to be on the show, you got to make a splash. Okay, you got to make a splash. And it's interesting to see how Monica is going to navigate her her first season as a full-time housewife and how Angie Kay is going to navigate her first season as a full-time housewife. I'm interested uh, and curious to see how that all is going to unfold. But the ladies arrive at the bar and Mary decides that she's going to sit this one out and ride in the Sprinter van with the driver and order some McDonald's, which I can relate to, honestly. Um, I might have done the same thing if I were Mary Cosby. Um, So then we get to Monica and Lisa Barlow continuing their argument, and Lisa calls Monica out for carrying around a $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag. Now, if I were Monica... I would have used this moment to explain to Lisa the real reason why Monica is carrying that $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag. And it's because, you know, she feels insecure around these women that have more money than her or pretend to have more money than her and their nice houses and their designer clothes and their $60,000 ring. Um, You know, I believe that if Monica were honest with Lisa Barlow in this moment, maybe just maybe this would have created a moment of understanding and vulnerability. But honestly, who am I kidding? This is the real housewife. So like, you know, I I, I love how I'm always like in this moment, I would have handled it like this. But this is why I'm not a real housewife. This is why I would not be possibly good. I do believe that I would be good for reality television. I do. But like, if I had conflict with someone, I'd be ready to shut it down in an instant and not drag this along for several episodes or throughout the whole season. So then we jump to Meredith and Whitney and Whitney is questioning why Meredith didn't fully participate in the drag show. But if I were Meredith, I would have been like, Whitney, this drag show wasn't even part of the plan for today. You made this part of the day. And honestly, I didn't have to participate, but I did out of respect to you. And then Whitney mentioned something about a sister-in-law's grandson, and this took Meredith over the edge. She was like, you will not bring up vulnerable children. She was like, you are disgusting. And then she just walks away. And I'm like, ooh, don't push me, because I am close to the edge. (laughs) Is that from Happy Feet, the Penguin movie? 
<laughs> I think it is. Um, but I would like to know who the sick child is that is really riling up Meredith. Like, why is she so upset about this? Is this a family member? Is this like a sister's child that is going through something that, like, am I missing something? Did I not pay attention to something? I need someone to explain to me. Like, who are these, like, these vulnerable sick children that Meredith is so concerned about? Like, I'm very, I'm very confused. And while all hell is breaking loose and people are sweating off their drag makeup and sweating off their wigs, Mary is happy as can be in the Sprinter van with her McDonald's order. And listen, I am not mad at her at all. But I do have to point something out. Does anyone else notice that Heather Gay is kind of riding in the back seat in this episode? She did not say much. And I'm wondering if this is Heather's attempt to clean up her image after last season with the black eye gate. You know, we still don't know who gave it to her. She's not giving up that information. I don't know who she's trying to protect. I don't know if she's trying to avoid a potential lawsuit. I don't know. But, you know, viewers of the show weren't really feeling Heather after that whole black eye situation. So I do wonder if Heather is taking a back seat in order to uh, rise in favorable uh, view. That makes no sense. I do wonder if Heather is trying to make herself more favorable to viewers again by kind of like laying low, staying quiet, and only speaking up when she feels like it's necessary to. That's what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, that was the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So we are going to move on to the Real Housewives of Orange County. So we have season 17, episode 16, titled Welcome to the Freak Show. Uh, I'm very happy that this is the season finale of this uh, franchise because the season of the Real Housewives of Orange County has been somewhat exhausting, and I'm happy to see it come to an end. Uh, so this episode starts off with Shannon and Emily going to the chiropractor to get some kinks and their body worked out. So the ladies are getting their bodies worked and the editor the editors added cracking sounds, which is hilarious. And then you just see like Shannon getting worked and Shannon's like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and then at the end, she's like, oh, I do feel better. I, I don't know why, but I found that moment hilarious. And then, so of course the ladies are back from Mexico. We have Gina, Jen, and Tamara shopping for Halloween costumes for this uh, circus party of Gina's. And then we have Shannon and Emily at the chiropractor and they are talking about Heather Dubrow. All the ladies are talking about Heather Dubrow. The last three episodes, three, four episodes, all the ladies can talk about is Heather Dubrow. Now, listen, I'm not saying Heather Dubrow is perfect. I'm not saying that she's not condescending at times, but it does seem like that these ladies have a vendetta against Heather Dubrow. And it does seem like to me that they are trying to get her off the show. Like possibly just to make her quit because they're all unbearable to be around. Um, then we get to Jen and Ryan. Um, and I do have to point out that, um, 
spaghetti casserole. And I love that Jen admitted that that's something that you make when you can't cook. Jen says that she has four recipes in rotation. And I have to say to Jen and all the people out there that can't cook, the internet does exist. And you can go find a recipe on the internet, even on Instagram. There are plenty of Instagram pages that feature recipes and show you how to make them. I follow many of them. I save many of the pages that have recipes that I'm interested in. So like you don't have to have only four recipes in your back pocket. You can do more. I feel like a spaghetti casserole is something that you present to someone if there is a death in the family or they've just given birth to a child. That's what a casserole is for. Other than that, and Thanksgiving, 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 deaths and births. That's what casseroles are for. Other than that, keep that on my face. So, um, (laughs) uh, Jen starts questioning Ryan if there's anything that he has not told her because she does feel like Tamara is sitting on information. And you know what? Tamara is probably sitting on information. Tamara is always sitting on information and waiting for the most opportune moment to present it to cause complete chaos on the Real Housewives of Orange County. And that's what Tamara is good at. I just think she did a little bit too much this season, a lot of self-producing. And I do wonder if Tamara felt pressure to be this way and be so self-produced in order to prove why she shouldn't have been fired in the first place and in order to make sure she isn't fired in the future. That's what I feel like is going on with Tamara this season. Um, But I have to say that relationships have their ups and downs. I'm not in one, so I wouldn't know, but I've heard this about relationships. But I do have to ask, at one point, does one realize the drama is not worth it? Jen fears that one day Ryan is just going to get up and leave. Jen is afraid Ryan might have more secrets he's not telling her. Is this all worth the headache? I mean, like, that must be some strong love. Some strong love because if that were me i would be like listen baby i love you but this is not worth it we maybe need to take a break or we need to break up and if we are meant to be together we will come back to each other but i do not have time for this drama there's too much out on the streets about your penis your personal business the women that you have hooked up with your affairs and i can't i can't take it because now it's being thrown in my face in my group of friends and i just don't have time for it Ain't nobody got time for that. You know what I mean? So then we move on to Heather and Gina. And Heather and Gina have a sit down. Gina is frustrated with Heather for calling her um, and Emily losers. But listen, Heather Dubrow came with receipts and played a recording of Tamara and Teddy's podcast. And Tamara did call them losers. That's what we heard. That's all we can surmise from this recording. But then Gina says in her confessional, well, if you were my friend, how come you didn't tell me that Tamara said this? Heather tried to tell you it was Tamara in Mexico, Gina, but you didn't believe her. So now here we are. Here we are with the receipts. And now you're mad at Heather for not telling you when before you were mad at Heather for calling you a loser and it wasn't Heather. I'm like, make up your mind, Gina. In the words of Martin, damn, Gina. (laughs) Martin, 
I'm the man. Listen, Martin was a great sitcom in the 90s. If you don't know, now you know. So um, Heather then, sorry, keeping up with my notes. Um, yes. So then Heather in her confessional breaks it all down with the receipts provided by the shady editors. You know, this is when Heather's like, one, Tamara did this. Two, Tamara did that. Three, Tamara said that. You know, that's what I'm referring to. So then we move on to Gina's circus party. Um, I have to say that I'm very impressed by the circle circus party. There's a tent, there's decor, there are high boy tables, there's people on stilts. So I'm like, okay, Gina, I see you, Gina. No budget, Gina, not low budget, Gina, but no budget, Gina. Um, Because this party looks expensive. I do wonder if production does help pay for some of these parties that they throw. Um, so then the ladies arrive and their costumes, in my opinion, are good. Shannon does look like she should be a fortune teller on the Pirates of the Caribbean, but I'll let her have it. And then Heather and Terry Dubrow arrive. And I have to say that Heather is not really dressed in the theme of Gina's circus party. Heather is dressed like she should be going to Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour because she is dressed like an alien superstar. Um, and not like she belongs in the circus, even though she is part of the circus because she's on the Real Housewives of Orange County. But we also see that Taylor Armstrong is drunk as fuck, and she just deep throats an ice cream cone like a pro. Like, you know, I get, you know, we did see her make mouth love to Cotton Candy back in the day on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So, you know... I guess we shouldn't be surprised that we see now Taylor Armstrong deep-throating an ice cream cone. But I'm like, how does she not get brain freeze after that? Because sometimes I get brain freeze if I drink water that's too cold. But, you know, maybe, you know, she doesn't have a gag reflex for uh, brain freezes. So then these girls these ladies, sorry, are sitting around at this party and can't help but, of course, talk about Heather Dubrow. And to me, it seems like everyone has an axe to grind with Heather. Jen says that she feels like Heather has dismissed her. Emily feels like Heather was talking shit about her. And Heather has to explain yet again that Tamara is the girl that they need to watch out for, not her, her meaning Heather. Taylor is wasted saying that Heather thinks that she's better than them. Meanwhile, in the last episode in Mexico, Taylor said that she thinks that the ladies are jealous of Heather's du uh, Heather Dubrow's wealth. Remember that moment where Taylor and Heather go off and they have a private conversation and Taylor literally says, I think that they're just jealous of you. And Heather Dubrow is like, I'm not going to apologize for having money. And Taylor's like, girl... And you shouldn't, because I wouldn't apologize if I had money. So it's weird to see within, what, a couple of days, Taylor, drunk Taylor, switch it up and be like, ah, Heather thinks she's better than us. That's not what you said in the last episode, Taylor. And I hope, you know, that conversation does come up on the reunion. Um, Taylor's a flip-flopper. Hashtag it. But I love that Emily took the time to explain the root of why being called a loser 
hits her so deeply and it goes back to her childhood. Um, while these conversations are happening with Heather, Tamara is chomping at the bit because she's witnessing all of these side conversations happening with Heather and Tamara feels like she's rallying the troops to talk about Tamara. But hasn't Tamara done the same thing against Heather? Hasn't she? Then, of course, Tamara has a step in. Tamara denies what she said about Emily, but she... I mean, she said it. We saw what she said on the podcast, two T's in the pod. And I think, like, it's very smart of Tamara to bring up these podcasts. And, like, these ladies are bringing up Tamara's podcast because this is nothing but free promotion and publicity for their podcast, two T's in the pod. So, you know, listen, I'm not mad at it. I wish I was on a reality show to plug Bravo T with Jared B. Um, but you know, one day, one day, you might see me on like Southern Charmed Atlanta. <laughs> Why isn't there a sh- Southern Charm Atlanta? I know there was a Southern Charm uh, Savannah and that that was a bust. It wasn't that good. I think that cast was trying a little too hard, but I do believe there should be a Southern Charm Atlanta. There should be a Southern Charm Nashville. Hello? Bravo, get on it. You could be franchising. I know there was attempts to franchise. You know, there was Southern Charm New Orleans, which was a keeper, and they did not keep it. I would love to have Southern Charm New Orleans back. But, you know, I think that they can expand the world of Southern Charm outside of Charleston. Give it a try again, Bravo. Give it a try. Um, But, yes. Tamara denies calling Emily and Gina losers, even though we heard her say it or saw her say it on her podcast. And Tamara is upset, in my opinion, because she knows the ladies having these side conversations with Heather could result in the unraveling of the narrative that Tamara has been trying to spread about Heather in an attempt to turn the ladies all against Heather Dubrow. In my opinion, that is really why Tamara is freaking out about the circus party because all that mess, all that shit that Tamara has been stirring up the whole season is about to become unraveled because Heather has no more time for Tamara anymore and is taking matters into her own hands and having side conversations with the other ladies on this cast. And that is a smart thing to do. Listen, whenever you are in, whenever these ladies are in conflict with one another, I don't understand why none of them remove themselves from the group situation to have private one-on-one conversations with the person that they have conflict with. Because nothing ever gets resolved between two housewives when it's in a group setting. Because when you're in a group setting, other people input their opinion, start questioning things, and they derail They derail the ability to make amends. And I mean, listen, this is the Real Housewives. So, like, I understand that, you know, they want the drama to play out maybe a little longer. But sometimes we don't need to see a full season of some petty crap. We really don't. But then... Tamara goes to confront Heather Dubrow, and honestly, I love that Heather said what she had to say to Tamara, and basically, she does not give a rip what Tamara has to say or what she thinks, and Heather Dubrow just walks away. And, you know, Tamara stumbles over her words a little bit, and she's like, yeah, 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 
walk away. Um, and yeah, that, my friends, was the season finale of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Like I said in the beginning of this recap of The Real Housewives of Orange County, I am glad to see this season come to an end. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, this season's going to be good. And then it just became too much. And listen, I have mad respect for Tamara judge i believe that she is a dynamic housewife i believe that she adds a lot to the show but i think the way she went about stirring the pot this season was very obvious and very self-produced and when us the viewers are able to sit and watch and be like she's doing too much she's self-producing i'm not liking it that's when you know you have gone too far as a housewife and as a cast member, it, it just seems inauthentic and it seems fake and it seems forced. And of course, like I said, it feels self-produced. But listen, we will see what happens on the reunion for the Real Housewives of Orange County because part one airs next week. But like I said, that was the season finale of the Real Housewives of Orange County. Excuse me, I'm drinking water because I have to keep my uh, throat, you know, wet. Ew. Um, so now we're moving on to Southern Charm. Oh my gosh, I love this show so much. Uh, this is season nine, episode two, titled Spilling the JT. So now we have one of my favorite shows on Bravo. I'm so excited to have Southern Charm back on my TV. This is a very messy group of friends who can't help but hook up with one another. Uh, but we enjoy the mess because it keeps us coming back for more. And I have to say, of all the shows on Bravo, the shows I would probably want to join the cast of are probably Summer House and Southern Charm. Those are my shows. And maybe it's because like, it feels like some of these people on the, uh, on, you know, Southern Charm and Summer House could be my peers. So maybe it just feels like it would be easier to be on there you know, on those shows. Also, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. I identify as a man, to be clear. Um, and so it just wouldn't make sense for me to be on The Real Housewives of anything because, you know, I'm a man. So um, we start off with Taylor paying a visit to Leva at her place, her lounge, her club, Republic. Uh, Taylor opens up about her quitting her job to travel with Shep because she thought that they were going to get married and have kids. And I'm like, Taylor, girl, in what universe did you think Shep Rose was going to put a ring on your finger, have you walk down the aisle, and then you guys produce kids? What? Like, where has she been? He might have told you that, but like, maybe she should have watched the first eight seasons of Southern Charm, because if she would have, then she would have known that Shep was never going to marry you, and Shep was never going to give you children. That is not what Shep Rose wants. Shep wants to travel the world. Shep wants to go out with the boys. Shep wants to meet a girl out and about and take her home and shag her. 
that is what Shep wants to do. So like, it's like Taylor, I don't know why you would think that Shep would want to marry you and have kids because I've said this before. Maybe I've said this before. Um, Shep have shown us who he is authentically since season one, episode one. I have to give that to Shep. He has been very open and honest about who he is. He has been very transparent about it. So like any woman willing to get into a relationship with Shep Rose after his history, after him being honest about what he is interested in, in a relationship or a non-relationship or an F buddy, whatever you want to call it, it just does not make sense to me for Taylor to enter into this relationship with Shep, thinking thinking that she's going to be different than the rest of the women that Shep has been with. I, I'm sorry. Like, Taylor, I like you, but this is where you lose me. And I have to say, ladies, just a PSA, okay? I'm going to need you to stop entering into relationships with, with men thinking that you're going to change them. Men don't work like that. Men change for the women that they feel like is the one or they don't change at all. And the woman just bites the bullet and accepts the man as he is, flaws and all. But you as a woman can't decide that you might be the one to change a man because you are going to waste your precious time and you're going to end up getting your heart broken. Just stop, okay? Find a man that loves you, that is mature, that's going to be faithful to you, that is going to give you what you want out of a relationship instead of getting into a relationship with men that aren't going to give you anything but a headache. That's my PSA for this episode. But I guess Taylor has started a new cocktail in a can business, and this pitch is not going well at all. Maybe Taylor should have practiced you know, in front of a friend that could give her constructive criticism before presenting this on camera, because this is hard to watch. I agree with Leva. And, you know, listen, if this were anyone else other than Leva, her friend, I don't think a business deal would have been made after this pitch. I can't be the only one to think that, right? (laughs) But Taylor says that she does express regret or she... Taylor expresses regret for saying what she said to Craig, and she said that it had more to do with seeing Shep than it was about Craig. And I have to agree, it was misplaced anger. So then we move on to golf with Austin, Craig, and JT. We learn that uh, JT hosted a guys and girls trip to the World Cup in France, and Taylor came on this trip. But I have to say that JT is coming onto this show asking all the important questions. And that's how does Shep feel about Austin being so close to Taylor? That is one of the most important questions that was asked on this episode of Southern Charm. And I agree with Craig. You don't hang out with a friend's ex. It is not worth the drama, the potential drama. I don't want to hear the ex air the grievances about their ex-boyfriend that you're still friends with. I'm still friends with. I'm just putting myself in this position. Um, When the relationship relationship ends, your friendship ends with a girlfriend. Okay? That's just it. That's just the way it has to be. 
and I'm going to mention this briefly. Um, the next scene with Olivia and Rod, I, I listen, I love how Rod just joined the show and he's already pursuing one of the women on the cast who was with another guy on the cast. So like now Rod is an official Southern Charm cast member because in order to be a Southern Charm cast member, you have to pursue or hook up with one of the people in this group because, you know, there are no other people in Charleston but the people on this show, you know? I also love that Rod made a joke. Um, is his name Rod? I might be calling him by the wrong name. Forgive me. He is a new cast member. And I think I might be, because there's Rodrigo. And then I thought his name, hold on. Listen, we're going to have a moment where we are going to look up some things. Let me see. What is this man's name? Oh, his name is Rod. There's two Rods. Okay, I was right. Okay, shout out to Rod. There's two of you. I just wanted to make sure. I don't want to call anybody by their wrong name and I'm looking foolish, talking, you know, crap. And I don't even have the right information. But like I said, Rod is now an official Southern Charm cast member. I also love that Rod made the joke about the sightseeing bus and going, uh, and by saying, you know, to your left, there's 300 white people and one brown guy. Like, I love these kind of jokes. I have often been one of the few and sometimes the only uh, Black people in a room with white people. There's nothing wrong with that. It happens sometimes depending on where you live and where you've gone to school and who your friends are. Um, and it does not make me uncomfortable because I am adaptable and I choose to take up space with every room that I walk into. Know that. Uh, but once in a while, I might crack a joke about being Black or like being the only Black person in the group. And sometimes it results in some gasp or someone being shocked that I said whatever joke I made. And the fun part about it is that I'm the only one that can make the joke and they can't. <laughs> and they shouldn't, okay? You shouldn't, okay? Listen. Sometimes we got to stay in our lane. I know some people feel comfortable stepping outside their lane and making jokes. Um, speaking of a joke, oh my gosh, I have to mention this. So when I was in Arizona, um, us boys, we took a party bus to Vegas from Phoenix. I flew into Phoenix, stayed there for the, the night, and then the next morning, you know, the boys on the bachelor party, we took a... Uh, we pretty much took a charter bus because it did have a bathroom on it. We took it to Vegas. And so we did make a stop, I believe, in Kingman, Arizona to eat. Um, and some of us went to Chipotle and some of us went to, um, where did we go? We went to Five Guys. And so we encountered this elderly lady who uh, is of a lighter skin tone. And I don't mean like, you know, Meghan Markle. I mean, Caucasian. And she was a sweet old lady and she decided that, you know, she wanted to pray over us, which is wonderful. We all sit down, we eat our food, we get up, we throw away our trash. 
I'm at the trash can by myself and this older, this old lady, I'm talking about like she had to be in her 80s. She comes up to me. She's very sweet. And she decides to crack a joke or tell a joke to me. And she was like, you know, what's the difference between a white owl and a black owl? And she says, the white owl goes hoo-hoo and the black owl goes hoo-dat. See, that is a joke where she did not stay in her lane. Because I don't understand what about me made her think she should come up to me and tell this joke about the difference between a white owl and a black owl. And I'm like, am I the black owl? That's what I was thinking. Am I the black owl? And like, of course, I had to go back to the bus and tell the boys about it. And they were all shocked. They were all, (laughs) they were all shocked. And I was just like, like, what can you do? This happens sometimes when you were a person of color. People make off-color, no pun intended, they make off-color jokes, inappropriate jokes, sometimes racially veiled jokes. And it's just like, yo, stay in your lane, okay? Stay in your lane. Because I don't make jokes about white people. I mean, I might sometimes when it comes to, like, cooking. I might say, like, did you season this? But I know white people know how to cook and season things. Like, that's as far as I would go with a joke with white people, okay? I don't make jokes about Asian people. I don't make jokes about Hispanics. I don't make jokes about indigenous people. Because you know what? I don't want the drama, and I don't want to get canceled, okay? Everyone is getting canceled left and right out here in these American streets. I won't be one of them, okay? So stay in your lane and like just because you see a black person in your town that you might not see often does not mean you should feel so comfortable going up to them and asking them what's the difference between a white owl and a black owl, okay? Because it could have been someone else and that situation could have ended completely different because I just said thank you and I told that lady to have a nice day. Um... And that, my friends, is how you break the ice. Sorry for that, like, you know, random rant. But I just, like, once I started talking about this, I had to share the story from the bachelor party. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, Rod and Olivia make out. And we really didn't need to see that. I hate watching people make out on television. It makes me so uncomfortable. So then we move on to... uh, the juice of this episode. This is the bar crawl with the boys. So we get to this bar crawl crawl with Craig, Austin, Shep, and JT. And this is when the mess begins. Shep talks about all these girls he met while he was traveling abroad. And JT honestly looks completely uninterested in this conversation. And I love that he's basically like, let's cut the shit and give the people what they want. JT asked Shep why he let Taylor go. And Shep looks shocked by this question. Uh, Austin is looking very uncomfortable because he's probably nervous about where this conversation is headed. And it did not head in a great place for Austin. And Craig is looking so excited because now he can stir the pot, which he does so well. I enjoy messy Craig. Some would call Rena Craig. Um, so JT is asking these questions because he wants to scoop on Taylor. Craig calls it out and says that JT is in love with Taylor because he lights up when she enters the room. 
JT asked how Shep feels about Austin being close to Taylor, and Shep is like, you know, I see Austin as a life raft between him and Taylor, so he can get information on Taylor, which I think it it's it's weird. Like you're traveling the world, you're hooking up with girls, but you're using your friend's friendship with your ex-girlfriend to get information about her. Like, move on. It's called an ex for a reason. Ex. Move on, Shep. You you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't break this girl's heart and then want to keep tabs on her by using your friend Austin that may or might may not be sleeping and hooking up with your ex-girlfriend. But we'll get to that. Um, so then JT says, but when you have a sleepover with a girl that's your friend's ex, and Shep turns his head like how a dog does, or like Scooby-Doo, he's like, er. <laughs> And let me tell you something. This is JT's first season, and he is spilling all of the tea in Charleston. This is Craig's level of pot stirring, and I'm absolutely here for it, okay? Austin is at a loss for words, but tries to explain it away. And you can tell that Shep is not liking what he he's hearing. Shep is not buying it. Um, Shep is trying to pretend that he does not care when we all can see that he does. And JT is not letting the bone go. So then Craig asked Austin if he's kissed Taylor. And Austin says no. But do we believe Austin, everyone? Do we believe him? Probably not. I know I don't. And then Craig looks like he knows something, but he doesn't want to be the one to reveal it. Um, and I think, to me, it feels like Craig was uh, trying to allow Austin to come clean before this info comes out in another way. I feel like Craig in this moment was kind of try he was kind of trying to help his boy Austin uh to reveal the truth, uh but Austin was like no, you know. And then Craig gets up from the table and says Austin looked down and to the left when he said that because I guess Craig is now a body linguist like he works for the FBI and this is some type of interrogation. Um then Austin says that Taylor is the type of friend that he feels like um, he can just share the same bed with, like their girlfriends having a sleepover, painting each other's nails and talking about boys. And then JT repeats what Austin just said in the form of a question back to Austin for clarity, which is brilliant in my opinion. Okay. It's my opinion. <laughs> and Shep is looking like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> and then the show jumps to this scene with Vanita and Madison pulling weeds and Vanita's backyard out the ground. And I'm like, what the hell? How do we just pivot from the hot mess express to gardening like we just flipped the channel to HGTV? I didn't like it. So then we jump back to this bar crawl from the gardening segment on Southern Charm, like Bravo had some flower subscriptions to sell. And on the way to the next bar, Craig and Shep are walking to each other and Craig is able to get Shep to tell the truth. And that's that he feels weird about Austin being so close to Taylor, especially after we all just, after everything we just heard at the last bar that they were at. So then at this new bar, we are introduced to a new friend. His name is Rodrigo, AKA 
Roddy. And we learn that Roddy recently ran into his ex-boyfriend and his ex-boyfriend's new wife. And when I heard this, I literally hit pause and then rewound it to make sure I heard everything correctly. So let me get this right. Roddy's ex-boyfriend is now married to a woman. And listen, I have to say that I did not pause because of the idea that a man who's possibly bisexual is married to a woman. I just want to know if the wife knows that her ex, her current husband has an ex-boyfriend. And I would like to know how that conversation went, if she does know it. And I also want Bravo to put the cameras on this couple. I'm just saying, just bring them into the mix because now I want to know more. And to expand on that further, um, there are plenty of men out there who are openly bisexual that are married to women. There are men that are secretly bisexual that are married to women. Uh, and if you don't believe me, uh, there are also straight identifying men in relationships with men. Uh, I mean, in relationships with women who are also hooking up with men on the side. Um, and I just have to say, if you don't believe me, check the internet and check your man's several email addresses. Moving right along. So then Austin asked JT, when was the last time he had sex? And JT responds, with a woman? And I'm like, well, hopefully not like a horse or a dog, JT. Um, and then I was like, or how are you doing, JT? Like, was JT like talking like maybe he's hooked up with a guy? I'm not judging. Listen, sexuality is on a spectrum. Not everyone is... Uh, 100% straight or 100% gay. There are people that fall someplace in between those two ends of the uh, sexuality spectrum. So I'm like not trying to start rumors or anything about JT um, or anything. I'm just being a little messy and having a little fun. Um, but how, how you doing? Um, so then Austin reveals that he last had sex six days ago. Um, and then JT reveals that he's not dating anyone, which I guess means that he's not having sex. And I find this such a weird conversation. And I find it just very weird to be even talking about in this moment. Because why are grown men having conversation about their sex lives? Because like when, when men have conversations about their sex lives, it's not in like a constructive or helpful way or like, you know, like the... It's just like, it's for bragging purposes. That's what it's for. And that is when it becomes like a little cringy to me because it's like, we're not in high school. No one cares about who you bone. When's the last time you bone? How many people have you bone? No one cares, okay? What you need to do is look in the mirror and ask yourself why you think you need to tell people how many people you've had sex with, okay? Listen, no one cares. I've never had any interest in any of my guy friends' sex lives, nor have I ever asked them about it. Why? Because I don't care. I don't. But Craig accuses JT of holding out on sex to be with Taylor, and Shep can't handle it. And so Shep gets up from the table and he goes to the bar. Um, so 
Craig and Austin then joined Shep at the bar, but Roddy and JT continued their conversation at the table, and we find out that Roddy met Austin years ago when he was a normal person. I assume this is before Austin became a reality star. And I love how Roddy is just talking shit about his friend uh, while he's at the bar. Um, Roddy is making himself at home on Southern Charm. All these new guys are really like jumping right in, feet first, having no problem doing what they have to do on this show. So then at the bar, Craig starts calling it as he sees it. And that's, you know, Shep is pretending like he doesn't care that Austin is, you know, weirdly close with Taylor, his ex-girlfriend, when I believe, and I believe we all believe that Shep does care. And I just wish that Shep would just be honest about it. Like, dudes, guys, if any of you are out there listening, I don't know the gender of like most of my listeners, viewers, um, you know, Bravo lovers. But like, at one point, are we as men going to be able to articulate a wound, articulate a hurt, articulate a disappointment, a dissatisfaction with something, instead of just pretending like everything is okay all the time? Because like, we're all human. Life happens. No man is living a life where everything is okay all the time. And instead of like holding it in and pretending like everything is okay, what men do because they're holding it all in is they act out on what they are not dealing with, okay? And so what happens is that it shows up at some other point in their life, whether it's in their relationship, whether it's in their friendship, whether, you know, it might be at work. Like, come on, let's just be honest. Shep, you are uncomfortable with how close one of your friends, Austin, is with your ex-girlfriend. Just say it. Be honest about it. You should not need messy-ass Craig to go digging for information to get you to open up and be honest about how you're feeling. It just should not be that difficult. Just be honest. Just be honest. You'll still be man enough. Just be honest. But I, listen, I love that they're having this conversation like Austin isn't sitting right next to them. And Austin is just sitting there in silence for a moment. And then Austin finally says, I'm sitting right here, Craig. And then (laughs) the boys move on to the next bar uh, and they start with a toast. And we find out after this toast that JT was married And uh, he reveals that he did get married so his wife could get a visa. Um, He said it was forced. And then he clarified and said it wasn't solely for the visa. It was just that the visa was preventing them from being together. So it made sense to get married. And listen, this happens. This happens all the time. JT is not the first, nor will he be the last, to get married to secure the paperwork to keep his partner in this country. I just need people on reality television to stop talking about it and admitting it because you are making it harder for other people who are in relationships with people from out the country who are like genuinely in love and trying to be together and trying to get married also with the purpose of getting a visa. Listen, you're just making it harder for other people. But yeah, 
<laughs> that was this episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I'm very happy to be back. I had a lot of fun talking about this episode, and I was a little nervous about having to recap four shows in one episode, but like, I really think I did this in a very good time. And I have to say, welcome back, Bravo lovers. Welcome back. Um, so I have to say, of course, thank you for supporting the show. Uh, you can follow me, the show, on Instagram at Bravo T with Jared B. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Bravo T with JB. I'm on Threads. I'm on TikTok. The show is on YouTube. So not only can you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and every place that you uh, enjoy listening to your favorite shows, but you can also watch Bravo T with Jared B on YouTube. So make sure that you subscribe there. Uh, continue to tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, your cat, your dog, your neighbors, your lovers about this show. Bravo T with Jared B. Subscribe to the show, like it, you know, depending on what platform you listen or you watch on, it might be a subscribe, it might be a like, and please leave reviews. I love reviews. Give me con some constructive criticism, you know, some feedback about what you think of the show, and I will read it on the next episode. So I just want to say that I love you all for listening, and I hope you guys have a good one. And until next time, Peace out, A-Town. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. I wonder if Usher is going to be performing that at the Super Bowl. Can I just mention, why are people hating on Usher because he's performing at the Super Bowl? This is Usher, okay? This is like one of the superstars of my generation. Usher has so much good music, so much good music that we know the words to. So, like, leave Usher alone. Let him have his moment. And let him, like, shut down the Super Bowl because I know he's going to do a fantastic job. Okay, so now I'm done again. I love you for listening. Until next time. Peace out. <laughs>